All right, well, Mark, if you'd come up, we want to pray for Mark before he, uh, before he brings the word today. So, Father, I, I thank you for my brother here. Lord, I know that uh, you've been speaking to him and have knit this sermon together. And so I pray that you use uh, every word of it to your edification, to your glory, and to the growth of your kingdom and your church. So I just pray your blessing upon him. Father, I pray that you would just touch him now. Fill him with your spirit. Just give you thanks and praise, Lord, for Mark and for his willingness to share your word. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, good morning. So, growth. That's what we're talking about today. Um, which, if y'all remember from the last time I talked, developer was my number one strength, apparently. So I was excited to talk about this, because I do love growth and growing. All right. Does this sound okay? Is it? Okay. All right. Well... <clears throat> as I'm opening this up. Okay. <clears throat> so we've come to the end of our Harmony Vineyard Way series. Right? And just to recap, the Harmony Vineyard Way is our statement that is explaining kind of how we do things here at this church. All right? And it can be read as a whole statement or separated into uh, individual um, six individual pillars, we'll call them, and, uh, and read independently of one another. So, um, but they kind of articulate what our church focuses on. And so we've gone through truth, mission, identity, diversity, and unity. And now we have reached the final message of this series, growth. Do you all want the lights down? Is that okay? Or do you all? Okay. All right. We'll just move on. So, a few weeks ago, BBC Network released a new miniseries called Planet Earth 2. All right, now for those of you who don't know, series like this take years and years to put together, and uh, they're devoted to capturing all of our natural world from the animals to the landscapes, the mountain ranges, and the, uh, like the sea depths. And it's all shot in the highest of high definition, and some of it is shot in ultra slow motion capture so that every millisecond of activity can be captured. And I love every second of it. I am a complete nerd for this kind of stuff. Um, I have Michelle's parents recording the series for me because I don't have cable, but that's not going to stop me. I have been watching the previous series on DVD, which I already own because I love this, and I've been watching it all week, so Michelle has had to put up with that. And I am just absolutely entranced by this stuff when it's on, and I have no shame in admitting it. I love it, and it's really just a great testament of God's glory and his creativity when you watch it. I mean, you look at, like, the ingenuity of some of these animals and the way that they survive and the way that they live. It's just, I mean, it's, they live in these unlivable places, and it's like, wow, glad I don't have your life. And, you know, it, it's... <laughs> What is funny is that no matter what animal they are showing, no matter what species or organism 
or any of that, their whole existence can be summed up in three simple statements. All right? Look for food, don't die, and reproduce. That's it. I mean, those are the, that is their whole purpose. You know, it's hours and hours and hours of documentation and video showing these, you know, these animals just doing those three things. And yet I'm back, knowing exactly what I have in store every time they come out with this. But these documentaries capture, you know, a very, the very simple nature of these animals, whether it be turtles or fish or birds. They are born, they look for food, they try not to die, and they reproduce. And in their pursuit of these three things, they are constantly growing. You know, some grow quickly. Some of these insects, they like quadruple or, you know, grow ten times their size in ten minutes. And others, you know, they just take a lot longer time. But their lives aren't really too complex. And it's hard not to laugh at the irony of, you know, the most complex organisms, us, you know, just entranced by these things and, uh, and their simple existence. Because growth for us, it, it doesn't come as simply as it does for these un other animals. You know, we have many more motivations in our lives other than the three that I mentioned earlier that affect our decisions, you know, and as well as our growth. The motivation of the animals in these nature documentaries are to simply survive. You know, survival is the name of the game. But, you know, our motivation is a little bit different. We have a motivation to find joy and happiness. And depending on your upbringing and the different decisions that you have made throughout your life in your pursuit of happiness, your growth track will probably look vastly different from everyone else's in this room. But the point is that we are all, as a human race, devoted to growth. And as a community of believers, we here at Harmony Vineyard Church believe that growth comes by... Hold on. I don't want to like, get too close. I don't know how... Remember what happened last time. So we understand that our personal growth comes through regular study of God's word and through relationships with other believers. We embrace small groups as our primary means of growing in grace and connecting with one another. <clears throat> so let's start with the first part of this statement, regular study of God's word. Now the topic of growth can be looked at from a number of different angles. So, you know, it could take, you have a whole series on this. So I want to just look at it from the perspective of grow, growing through really difficult times and hard times and dry periods of our life. And to do that, I want to look at a parable that Jesus tells in the book of Matthew. So turn with me, if you will, if you have your Bibles with you, to Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 through 27. It's a short little story, but it's dense. <clears throat> okay, so Jesus is just now ending his Sermon on the Mount. And after speaking on all these different topics and how we are to respond to these different scenarios, he closes by telling the story of two men who are each building a house. And that is where we pick up in verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against this house, 
and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Okay, so this whole parable is based around building your house on the right foundation. If you don't know what a foundation is, boom. And in this story, the foundation represents how you prepare for the house you want to build. All right, and the house being built represents your life. So both men are building a house. Both are trying to build a successful life that will bring them secure and lasting happiness. And they both have to begin by laying down the proper foundation. One lays his foundation on the rock, and the rock represents uh, your relationship with God and your obedience to him. And the other builds his house on the sand, which represents not that. Okay? And as we read, we see that the house that was built on the rock is able to withstand all the hardships that come, while the other doesn't because the foundation isn't secure. So how do you build your life in a way that is able to withstand the trials of this life? Well, I think the, the story just kind of starts with it. Verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. You, know, you do it by building your life in accordance to God's word. And you can only do that by having regular study and quality time with our creator. You know, but how does that work? So how does reading this book over and over and studying the chapters and studying the lessons and doing all that prepare us for what we have to go through? You know, that's a question that I think so many non-believers and even just Christians will ask. It's like, well, why do I have to do this every single day or, you know, maintain this? And the answer is that regular study of God's word prepares you by shaping and reshaping your worldview. Okay, it's, it's refreshing that worldview. And your worldview is the filter through which you view the experiences you have and the world that you live in. Right? It's, it's just that lens that you perceive everything through. Everybody, you talk about whole cultures that have a different worldview than us, and it's because of a lot of it is just formed through their culture and the way that they're raised and brought up. So... This worldview shapes our opinions and beliefs and can greatly alter how we live our life. It is the most powerful subliminal factor when it comes to how we grow and how we live our life. And so the point is that the best foundation for healthy growth is regular study of God's word. The first psalm in the book of Psalms says, Happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Now, I understand that there are many people who have built happy, successful lives and would say that God has played no role in them doing that. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who you know, pretty much said those exact words. And that's fine. You know, I, I would say, I would just say that the success of their life does not necessarily negate their need to know God. You know, and that's kind of besides the point anyways. Knowing God and, and that, that initial motivation is, is more to do with your salvation and with forgiveness. 
you know, the point is that God, through his word, gives us the proper worldview and expectation of what this life has to offer us and what we have in store. Because not all of it is good. And as we walk with him, we are constantly laying down new foundation that our lives can be built on. Okay, every day we are laying down new foundation, and if you aren't taking care of that relationship with God, you may be building your life your house on a foundation that isn't prepared for the storms that you have coming. You know, understand that I don't encourage reading the Bible and spending time with God because I want you to be a good Christian, whatever that means. You know, I mean, that, I don't even really, I don't know what people mean by that. But it's because I want you to be A, be prepared for what you have to experience in this life, and B, just because I want you to have a joyful life in general. You see, I have to make this correlation between seeking joy and growth because everyone, no matter who you are or your relationship with God, is pursuing joy. All right, they're pursuing this happy life. And everything that we do in pursuit of that joy is causing us to grow. Right? I mean, from the area that you live in, the job that you pursue, the, the you know, spouse that you want to have, all of these decisions are made in an effort to find joy in your life. And they can either be done in obedience to God or not. You know, it's much like when Jesus said that all trees produce fruit. Some produce good fruit, some produce bad fruit, right? But all trees are doing what? They're all producing fruit, right? And similarly, we are all building a house. Like the men in this story, we are all, you know, (laughs) we are all still trying to build a house that is our lives. And... Our main motivator to building these houses is to find joy. And whether we are building a sturdy house or a rickety one, we are still growing with each brick that we lay. And some decisions that we make in building our houses can cause healthy growth, some unhealthy growth. All right? So study God's word so that you will develop the proper worldview that will help you best withstand the storms that will inevitably come. Now, both men in this story experience trials and tribulations as they're building their houses. It says, the story says that the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. Each person, regardless of their actions, or their foundation, or their relationship with God, experienced similar storms that attacked their house. So they both went through trials that greatly affected their life. All right? Now, it can be tempting to read this story and imagine that one house comes out of the storm unscathed and completely intact. And the other one comes out leveled and utterly destroyed. Right? Now we know that the second house does that, that it comes out just completely leveled. But if you read into this story that the first house is not damaged at all, then you can be led to believe that having a relationship with God And just having that good foundation will keep you from suffering and being affected in any way by the storms of life. And that's dangerous. Your relationship with God deals primarily with the foundation of your life. It is the solid and unmoving structure from which your life is built. Your life is meant to rest on that relationship first and foremost. And as long as that is secure, you will be most prepared for the storms that you face. This passage of scripture only says that the house built on the firm foundation of knowing God and living in obedience to him did not fall. 
when beaten by the rain, floods, and winds. But that doesn't mean that some of the windows weren't shattered, that the paint wasn't peeled. It doesn't mean that the deck wasn't washed away or the shingles ripped from the roof. Okay, depending on the intensity of the storm, whole walls can be blown out and the house still remain intact. I think that interpreting this passage to say that both houses were at least damaged when the storms of life came through is a much more true way of reading this scripture because, I mean, let's face it, everybody goes through hard times. Some of us are going through hard times, or at least will go through them, right? So, whether we are on a healthy or unhealthy path, all of us experience very troubling times. Storms come and cause damage without reason, and we live in a world where some of the hurt we go through comes without any reason at all. And it's just a result of the world that we live in. And that's where community comes into play. The second part of this growth pillar speaks about community with other believers. All right, and the Bible is full of examples that illustrate the need and importance of having community that you are able to grow with. From the one-on-one relationship like David and Jonathan, you know, or Adam and Eve, to the larger group relationships like Jesus had with his 12 disciples. Okay, the benefit and just overall need for us to be a part of a community is expressed by all humans, not just Christians. And that need is never felt more strongly than when you experience difficult, dry periods in your life. Community is necessary because of this one truth, that in this life, you will have troubles of many kinds. Okay, trouble can come in many forms, in many ways, in many levels of intensity, just like this storm. Right, but no matter what kind of trouble you experience, it is handled better in community. And, and I think that this is true just because you, why else would Jesus have asked his disciples to come with him in the garden? You know, I don't think it was because of protection. <laughs> and you know, regardless of whether he knew that they were going to fall asleep or not, I, you know, even if he did know that they were going to fall asleep, he probably just put that in there to say, look, you need to have people with you when you go through hard times. Because Jesus was about to go through the hardest trial of his life. It says that he was sweating blood, which you know, I found out is something that you can actually do when the stress level is that high. And the community we live in and are a part of plays a major role in providing joy and comfort regardless of the troubles that you are going through. And the pursuit of joy is a key motivator for us, right? Now, I'm reading this counseling book that is written by a bunch of neuroscientists. And <laughs> it's, it's easy to read. It's not like I'm reading a textbook. It's, you know, it's not quite a picture book, but you get the point. And they say that nearly all of the brain stops developing at certain stages in your growth, all except one. There is one part of your brain that never loses its capacity to grow. It is called the right orbital prefrontal cortex. And they refer to it as the joy center of our brain. Now, from my research, that part of your brain is found somewhere above your shoulders. So, but, but this part of your brain, it is stimulated and it's affected by joy. 
okay? And it can be developed over the in course of your entire life. In other words, you never lose your ability to experience joy because you never lose your ability to exercise this part of your brain. I mean, isn't that awesome? You know, and do you know that what they say causes, you know what they say causes this part of your brain to grow? Their research says that it grows best as a result of real, authentic, joy-filled relationships with other people. And they point out that they aren't, you know, they make it a point. It's like we aren't referring to just superficial relationships, or as I like to call them, you know, Facebook friend relationships, right? And the growth comes from being with people that you truly enjoy being around and actually spend time with. And this is so important for us to remember because it shows that God always provides us with a chance to restart. He has wired your brain to where no matter what you have been through, you can relay the foundation and restart your pursuit of joy and happiness. You know, God understands. He knows what you've been through. And he knows what you're going through. All right? He knows Melissa. Christy. He knows. And he's designed you with the ability to rebuild, but you have to do it within the environment of support and a community. But living within a community of other people requires both humility and grace with one another. It requires you to be vulnerable with each other. And I think that's why social media is so appealing for so many people, right? It offers you to be able to put up this facade of living in a community without the sometimes uncomfortable reality of actually doing it. You are able to convey a joyful life devoid of the pain and the hurt and the sin that it's actually full of. A real community doesn't allow that. A real community will call you up and out of that pain and out of that sin you're living in. You know, there's counsel that comes with community. You can't, you can't go without it. And to ignore good counsel, the Bible says, is just foolishness. You know, and experience says that. How many people have been like, well, I ignored the good advice that that person gave me? And the book of Proverbs is full of good advice on receiving good advice. You know, chapter 11, verse 14, says that where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So living in isolation is setting yourself up to fall. But those who humbly surround themselves with wise counselors will succeed in their growth. Some of us are in a stage of our growth where we primarily need this direction and discipline to grow. I think that that's just like the younger you are, the more you kind of need that. (laughs) There you go. Because I was going to say, I know it's true for me. So um, all you young people out there, none of my youth said amen. But... (laughs) Um, I think you know, some of us, although, although that is necessary, some of us don't really require guidance when we are going through hard times because we just need to be comforted. Right? Job is someone who needed that comfort. 
Now, Job is a man of the Bible who lost everything that he had. He lost his children, he lost his possessions, he lost his health, and even his own wife left him. She told him to just curse God and die because his misfortunes were so great. And none of this happened because of his actions. None of this happened because he, he had bad counsel or he made bad decisions. They just, they happened. And you see, much of our pain and sorrow comes because of our poor choices and decisions. And that's why having good counsel and being held accountable for those choices by the community is so important. But, and growth comes when we can humbly admit that we've made bad choices. But what about the storms that come just because it's time for a storm to come? You know, just because it's a natural part of life. Job experienced some of the deepest and most painful circumstances a person can endure, and none of which we are told in, in that story were because of any bad decisions that he had made. And it's when we go through those times that we need the comfort of our friends and community. And when Job was going through all of this, a few of his friends came around and they, you know, they heard about his misfortunes. They said that he had changed so much that they couldn't even recognize him. And they came around and gathered around him and they wept with him for a week. And granted, these friends didn't offer him the best advice or counsel after they had comforted him, but they were there to provide what he needed at the time. And that was a community that could comfort him in his time of need. And that is one of the primary functions of a community, is to console, protect, and comfort one another. There is an insidious pride that makes us want to hide our troubles from the community that we interact with. When in fact, it's that community that helps us cope and even overcome those troubles. We are to bear one another's burdens, and that concept is repeated over and over in Scripture. But it's, it's inconvenient. And the worst thing that we can do when we come here on Sunday morning is, or into our small groups is to pretend that we have it all together when in reality we are going through a time of trouble. Well, that is the second worst thing. The actual worst thing is neglecting community altogether, but we'll get there in a second. Now, in the past two months, my wife Michelle and I have gone through some pretty difficult times in our marriage. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you know, anything between us is bad, but the, both of us together have gone through some hard times. Now, I don't want to make it sound like our lives are terrible by any means, but we haven't really kept secret our desire to start a family. And if you didn't know that, well, now you do. And just in the past literal couple of days, we have found out that it potentially could be a lot more complicated than we had hoped. We have had unexpected expenses, you know, big expenses come week after week over this past two months. And that have put a bit of a financial strain on us, as well as some just rough physical pain as well. Now again, none of these things put us in jeopardy of losing our home or our health or our relationship. And honestly, the issues pertaining to the recent physical and financial pain are nothing compared to what we have been going through with us wanting to start a family. 
you know, that alone has been just a constant storm that has not let up for about two years now. And I don't bring these things up to highlight our problems because, you know, all of us have them. Mine and Michelle's issues aren't anything special compared to any of y'all's. But I bring these things up to say that despite our pains, we have restrained, we have, not restrained, we have retained our joy because of the community that cares for us, primarily consisting of those of you in this church. Whether it be you that we see on Sunday morning, or in the small groups that we attend, or friends that we have even outside of our church who are caring for us and praying for us, asking and giving words of encouragement. You know, some of them aren't even Christians. They're just a part of our community who cares for us. Michelle and I have not neglected the importance of receiving comfort from community, and that has helped us maintain a healthy and joyful attitude as we continue with this storm that, according to the doctors, may not be ending anytime soon. We want to remain joyful in hope, patient in our affliction, and faithful in our prayer. And God has used this church and the community that we have incorporated ourselves with to help us you know, to help us through that, to help us do that. And to him be all the glory for that. I'm not worried about what the doctor says. We're going to have 10 kids anyway. So, right. <laughs> so I want to address one more thing about neglecting community and its effect on growth before we close. All right, now we have an enemy whose main objective for Christians is to hinder our growth. He knows that we draw our strength from both the relationship that we have with our creator and the community that we have with other believers. And he has a strategy that is extremely effective in keeping us from that growth. Now this is an actual photograph that, that came around kind of recently um, of this, this photographer took this picture right before this lion attacked him. And it's really, it, it kind of went viral, and everybody, I remember seeing it for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. So, there you go. But if you were to watch a lion go after its prey, it does not attack the animals that are in the center of the herd. Okay? It either goes after the one that is already isolated from the pack, or it tries to peel one away from the pack, or it just goes after the weakest and slowest one from the fleeing herd. All right, and why wouldn't he? It's the easiest meal that he could get. And do you know what animal the devil is compared to in the New Testament? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? Someone to devour. He doesn't go after the pack, okay? This is a simple metaphor that expresses a profound truth that the lion goes after the weak and the isolated. The idea of lone wolf Christianity or the idea that it's just all I need is me and God makes no sense to me. And it's so popular right now. You know, who needs the church? Really? To isolate yourself and your family from the community in general you know, and not just the community of believers, 
you know, ideally as Christians, that's what we want to be a part of, but just to not have a community is essentially standing in the field alone while the lion looks for his next prey. So the one point I want you all to take away from all this is that you know, we here at, at this church, we grow both vertically and horizontally. I'm not saying that we get taller and fatter. I'm saying that you know, we grow vertically in our relationship with God, okay, through study of, of his scriptures and through getting that worldview that we need in order to handle these troubles, and also horizontally so that when these struggles come, we'll be able to gather around our community. You know, when the lion attacks, you want to be in the center of the herd, okay? Don't neglect one and think that you're all right. You're not only deceiving yourself that you're better off without it, but you're also missing out on experiencing the joy that comes from God when you grow the way he wants us to. Amen? So Laney, could you come back up? And was it Clyde and Billy? Yeah. So I didn't really know what we... I just asked for communion to be set aside, not during worship, because I knew that God wanted to do something with communion after this. You know, I can't talk about community and then just have us all go off and do the one thing that God has given us to kind of bring us all together. You know, that doesn't really make sense. So um, what I wanted to do was just bless the elements, and then Laney's going to play... just some some music and and I encourage y'all to go up and and bring somebody else if you if you just want to bring up someone else and just take communion together that's fine or if you um you know if you've been keeping some some trouble and you haven't shared the that burden with your fellowship of believers you know maybe bring somebody else up and if you want to just confide in them or or you know have them pray with you over that, then do that as well. But we are united, whether you know them or not, through our belief in, and through our relationship with Christ. And so I want you all to just look around and maybe if you don't know somebody and um, or you know of them, it's just kind of like you, your Sunday friends where it's like, hey, how you doing? Okay, great, I'll see you next Sunday. You know, maybe go and, and grab that person and, and just have them go up and take communion mm-hmm. with them. Um, but let's let's dig a little deeper into our community that we have here. And so, um, and also Jeff and I will be up here for prayer as well, uh, if you if you want that. So, um, so on the night that that Jesus was to be betrayed, he he took the bread, and he was with his disciples. He was with that community that he knew, and he broke it, and he he said, "Take this, all of you, and eat." This is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he asked his Father in heaven to bless it. And he said, take this, all of you, and drink. It's my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, do so and remember me. So, Father, Lord, I just uh, I lift up your name and I praise you. I praise you for community and the relationship.
relationships that we have with one another, but Lord, I praise you first and foremost for the relationship that we are able to have with you. And that you've given us everything that we need in order to to just prepare for the onslaught of, of storms and, and lion attacks that come every, just, I mean, daily, Lord. And, and some of us, we can see the storm coming. Some of us, we can, we know that the, that the lion is there. And some of us are just in the middle of it right now. Whether it be we've isolated ourselves through our actions or it's just, it's just something that comes. Let us come together today and, and find rest in you. And not just, not just suffer through these things, but grow through them. You don't cause all the things, all the, the horrible things to happen to us, Lord, but you do take them and you use them for our benefit. For, the one, for those of us who love you, Lord, you can, you can use that to help us grow. But we need to understand that, that you offer growth through any circumstance. The good, the bad, all of it, Lord, you are able to, uh, to grow us, not only mature us, but grow us closer to you. So, Father, bless these elements and bless this time that we're able to just, just come together and, and celebrate you. In the name of Jesus, amen.